All right, wasn't that a blessing? These young people want to serve the Lord young, and let's not hold them back. Let them serve the Lord with gladness, and that's what we want to see. I think grown-ups need to serve the Lord with gladness, too. Amen. So we want to dismiss Children's Church. And is there simultaneously more VBS choir tonight, too? Just Children's Church tonight. If you'll follow Brother Gilly, Brother and Mrs. Gilly. Isn't this a blessing, folks? Lots of stompers and chompers going out. And that, too. Tonight, I'd like us to uh, do a little stop, uh, topical study, and uh, I'm probably not going to have time to complete the study tonight. We want to finish up in good time tonight and let everybody prepare their heart, mind, and soul for tomorrow and for the week. Uh, hopefully, some things will be encouraging to you tonight. But if you have your Bibles, Hebrews chapter 10 tonight, Hebrews chapter 10, and uh, just a kind of cursory study in several parts. Maybe the next time I speak, six to 12 months from now, we'll get into part two. I don't know. But uh, anyway, at this juncture uh, tonight, uh, we'll get into a segment. Um, uh, there are many verses in the New Testament that talk about one another. Just that phrase, one another. This will be a topical study on that tonight. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. And... Um, and this will be maybe the primary text for the basis of this study, as it's probably one of the more prominent verses in New Testament about, about uh, the one another's. And the phrase is carried over a couple times. If you're there in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25, would you stand together to, uh, with me, please, for the reading of God's Word? And we'll uh, read... Uh, uh, verse 24 together, and then I'll read verse 25, but we'll read verse 24 together. Ready, begin. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more, as ye see the day approaching. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're grateful for this opportunity to speak to these, your people. They are your people, the sheep of your pasture. And we're thankful, Lord, that you are our good shepherd, that you lead us, that you guide us. And Lord, there are more sheep that you wish to call and draw to your fold. Lord, help us to be that kind of community here at First Baptist Church as we reach our community for you. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So the subtitle is, uh, To What Are We Bringing Them? The One Another's of the New Testament. What kind of church is First Baptist that we bring these children from the community and families, adults, and, uh, you know, um, some opening thoughts here. In the church that Christ is building, remember Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church. The church Christ is building, people are involved in one another's lives. Involved in one another's lives. And we ought not encourage anonymity and uninvolvement, if we could make up that word. You know, there are a lot of mega churches that are out there, and people can just kind of sneak in the back and to come in and sneak out the back going out, and they can go for years and never have contact with a membership of their community, uh, their church community, and never have any accountability. 
And uh, Hebrews chapter uh, 10, I think, um, causes us to ponder and think deeply about these things. And, and we're going to do kind of a deep dive word study into some of the words in these verses. The first phrase I call your attention to there. <clears throat> is it says, consider one another, consider one another. That doesn't mean, oh, okay, if they pop into my head and I happen to think about them, I'll consider them. It's a deeper, more intentional word than that, and uh, it, uh, it means this. It means to perceive, to remark, to observe, to fully understand, to consider attentively, and it means to fix one's eyes or mind upon and uh, I think to myself um, that, that this is more intentional. It means not just to consider, but to study one another. And, uh, uh, and it says there that we consider. And, you know, it's like one year back in our ministry in Denver when the pastor was away. And I, I noticed that weekend that there were pockets of people gone. And I thought to myself... Follow the prompting of the Spirit. Oh, Sunday afternoon, I just started to call some of them. Hey, this is Pastor Self. Just want to let you know we missed you today. Hope everything's okay. One person said, well, to be honest with you, this was going to be our last Sunday had not somebody contacted us. We'd been gone for weeks and nobody cared. I was like, oh, my goodness. And uh, another person I contacted said, well, we aren't thinking of leaving or anything, but we've been gone for six weeks down with sickness and injury. The, the dad had taken a back injury, and you're the first person to contact us in weeks. And I think to myself, boy, we need to be vigilant as a congregation. You know, you don't need to have the title pastor so-and-so to care about people. Amen? Amen. You can pastor one another, you can consider one another, and you can study your, uh, your church attendance and see where there are pockets of people missing. And, and there's no law against loving people and caring about people in your church family. And so consider one another. The next word I want to call your attention to is um, in verse <clears throat> 25, in the second half of verse 25, it starts off saying, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but here's the key word, but exhorting one another. There's the phrase again, consider one another, and then the next phrase, exhorting one another. And boy, that's a really powerful word. Ponder this word with me. It means to call to one's side, to summon. It means to address, to speak to, to call upon. And it says, which may be done in the way of exhortation, entreaty, comfort, instruction, etc. Now that's right out of Strong's Concordance. But you can see the implications there that when we are a church family that are exhorting one another, guess what? We're practicing the spiritual gifts that God has given to this assembly. We've got people with the gift of mercy. We've got people with the gift of administration. We've got people with the gift of exhortation. We've got people with the gift of giving. We've got people with the gift of understanding. You know, and there's these various gifts in the body that God is using, and He wants us to flex our spiritual muscles using our spiritual gift in relationship to one another. What's your spiritual gift? Do you know it? Do you know what your spiritual gift is? It's not the spiritual gift of Thorn Ministries. <laughs> it would be something more positive. And, uh, and so exhorting one another, it carries a lot of weight. Don't let that word slip past you, exhorting one another. 
This is when you take time to look for the people that maybe they are the quiet ones in the back. They tend to slip, slip in and slip out. And you're like, I'm not going to let that happen. I'm going to be intentional about discovering who the new ones are in the, in the assembly and getting to know them. And so exhorting one another to call to your side. Now, the phrase I go back a little bit here in verse 25, assembling of ourselves together. And uh, interesting here, for the longest time in Jerusalem, in the book of Acts particularly, as we see the, the early church starting, the Jewish believers actually congregated in parts of the ancient temple facility, including Solomon's porch, the court of the Gentiles, and, uh, and the church gathered as a group of Jewish believers at first. And uh, well, not until we see Paul's call do we see a huge influx of the rest of us Gentiles into the assembly. But as opposition to the believers mounted, in Jerusalem that is, we see the church now meeting in homes. And then Jews that were living in Greek towns outside of Jerusalem, outside of Israel, they usually assembled for prayer in private homes. And if an assembly member was wealthy, the local synagogue might have been held in a home. And so that translated also to believers meeting in a home that may have been formerly a synagogue. Or they followed the same pattern as some of these uh, synagogues that were outside of Israel in the far-flung portions of the empire. And so uh, this, uh, this graphic really caught my attention as they've unearthed and done these, these uh, archaeological digs and they've unearthed some of these homes and they've collated it with ancient uh, reports. This is kind of a split view, a cutaway view of an ancient uh, synagogue home that may have also doubled as a local church assembly. And so you can see the various compartments of these ancient homes and you can see on the ground level, they had storage room. And in other places, that was more than storage. Sometimes they, they had a few animals parked under that, under that bedroom porch. Then there's bedrooms, and you can see the uh, Gaonicon, and that was a room reserved for women in the upstairs level, then kitchen underneath, and you can see an assembly of people there. I thought to myself, oh, I can hear God's people praying and singing. You know, the book of Acts, you have the, the dis early disciples, they're praying for the release of Peter, and uh, you have um, Peter knocking on the door, as you might see there in that lower uh, end of the, of the picture, and, uh, and people aren't, aren't, are, are too busy praying to answer the door, except for Rhoda. And then, you know, she's like, hey, I think Peter's at the door. No, he's not there. Well, go answer the door. <laughs> and so God's people getting together and God's people meeting and, uh, and assembling themselves together. Again, it was intentional, not haphazard. Well, get up in the morning. Do I feel like it today? Oh, Johnny has, a, has the sniffles. The whole family's going to stay home. Oh, goodness. Um, and so there's not that forsaking mindset. Do you know also, though, that there are people that are physically here a lot of Sundays, but they're checked out. They're not here. Spiritually, mentally, they're not, they're not assembling. You could be here physically and not be assembling with the saints. Amen? Right? It's, you know, you can be thinking about the Buccaneers game or some other sports team, or you can be thinking about your fishing excursion coming up. You know, but we're here and we're intentional and we're together. 
So exhorting one another, assembling ourselves together. Um, uh, this quote here, kind of a longer quote, it says early Christians typically gathered in the private home of a wealthy patron to worship. We see that in Acts chapter 2. We see it in Acts chapter 16. We see it in Philemon 2. And Paul described the tradition of eating a ceremonial uh, community meal in which also they observed some communion at times. The sacrificial death of Christ was remembered. We see that in 1 Corinthians 10 and 1 Corinthians 11. And believers exercised their gifts, Hebrews 14. They sang, Ephesians 5. They prayed, 1 Corinthians 11. And they instructed one another, 1 Corinthians 14, Colossians 3. And uh, a lot of, of God's kingdom work, by the way, gets done in this world by thousands of small churches. Thousands of small churches, a hundred or less. God's kingdom work gets done. And sometimes uh, believers get caught up in the megachurch mentality. And uh, some of those that pastor megachurches, their one big lament is that the... They have been successful, says one of these megachurch pastors. Uh, we've been success, successful, he says, in drawing crowds, but we've been a failure at making disciples. Wow. And I think God gets so much of his kingdom work done in churches that are under 1,000, churches that are under 500, churches that are under 200. God gets his kingdom work done. And so um, a lot of us were discipled in small groups or small churches. And uh, it's because of that that we are where we are today in our faith. Now I want to draw your attention to another passage, Romans chapter 12 now. Take your Bibles and turn there. Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Another one another mentioned by the Apostle Paul. Romans chapter 12, and look with me at verse 10, and it occurs twice in Romans chapter 12. The apostle writes, Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love, in honor preferring one another. In honor preferring one another. So the two phrases we call your attention to, be kindly affectioned to one another, and in honor preferring one another. Boy, when you... When you look at the meaning of that phrase, kindly affectioned, in relationship to one another, it has some deep meaning and real uh, impactful application. It means here cherishing one, one's kindred, especially parents or children, fond of one's natural relatives, that is fraternal, and fraternal towards fellow Christians, Kindly affection, as in family members. We think of ourselves biblically as well, don't we? The family of God. Don't you love that old song? I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. I've been washed in the fountain, cleansed by his blood. Join heirs with Jesus as we travel this sod. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. Uh, so kindly affectioned. It means to have that familial type of, of, of flavor in our church, fragrance in our church. It feels like family. You know, um, I've been to some large fundamental churches, including like Lancaster Baptist. Some of you have been to Lancaster Baptist in California, there on the West Coast. 
And here's a church that runs more than 3,000. I think they're close to 4,000. And the different occasions I've been there when I was dropping off the boys when they were going to college there, I'd go in and on that weekend and stay for the service. And it just felt like most any fundamental Baptist church. It felt the same. I didn't feel lost in the crowd. People were kind and approachable and greeted me. Boy, that was encouraging to me. And it's because they have that familial spirit. Um, and then the next phrase I call your attention to in verse 10 of Romans 12 is it says, preferring one another. And that phrase, or that word rather, means to lead the way for others. That is to show deference. Okay, you're clearing a way for others. And I think to myself, that is such a powerful word in the local assembly. Do we prefer others over ourselves? You know, as Pastor Bloom spoke for Romans 14 last Sunday morning, you know, when we think about our liberty and we think about our freedom in Christ, um, our motivation in loving one another is that we prefer one another. We don't trample over one another as far as a, a weaker brother or someone who has strong convictions about this or that. We, we prefer one another instead of preferring ourselves. I prefer my liberty is an abuse of liberty. Uh, but we prefer one another in love. And, uh, and so we are kindly affectioned, and in honor we prefer one another. We honor each other. Um, I have another quote here, a more of a lengthy quote. It says, most of us have learned how to be courteous to others, how to speak kindly, avoid hurting their feelings, appear to take an interest in them. We may even be skilled in pretending to show compassion when we hear of others' needs or to become indignant when we learn that they've experienced some injustice. And then um, the next slide, God calls us to real and genuine love that goes far beyond being hypocritical and merely polite. Wow, that's too convicting. Genuine love requires concentration and effort. It demands our time, money, and personal involvement. I wish I could embarrass some in this congregation tonight for doing this the right way. Those in our congregation that I see every week that spend time getting to know people after and before services, that involve themselves in other people's lives and quietly meet needs financially of people in this, in this body, in this assembly. I wish I could call you out and embarrass you for doing right because some of you are amazing in that regard. And I think to myself, oh, you know, I've got people coming up to me sometimes after the service that are regulars in the body, and they have questions about this or that, and, and I'm watching new people heading out, and I'm thinking to myself, oh, I wish I could get to know them. I'm sure others feel the same way. But some of you have that liberty and that space after the service, and you go after them, and you reach them, and uh, you get involved in their lives, and you take time. Someone said, a sacrifice is not a sacrifice unless it's really a sacrifice. And so we need to be sacrificial, deliberate in our efforts to get involved in people's lives. And again, I just, I, I, my, my heart is so blessed to see several of you after services. You go and reach out to people and spend time with new people. That's what First Baptist needs to be and be more of. Amen. But it says here, uh, going on, no individual has the capacity to express love to a whole community, but the body of Christ does. 
And then this admonishment by this author. Look for people who need your love. And look for ways you and your fellow believers can love your community for Christ. Boy, I tell you, that's what's going to happen starting tomorrow, isn't it? We're going to love our community to Christ. You love these adults, children, and grandchildren, and you're going to open the hearts of the parents and the grandparents. You know that already, don't you? And that's one of the keys to reaching this community for Christ, is heavily divesting and investing ourselves in the community of Lando Lakes and Wesley Chapel and Lutz and the surrounding area. Um, Next, we can honor others in one of two ways. <clears throat> one involves ulterior motives, and, uh, and, and God's way involves love. One involves ulterior motives, another way involves love. Someone said, um, when you care about others, you, tell, you speak truth to their lives. When you care about you, yourself, you tell them what they want to hear. Whoa, that's powerful. When we care about others, we speak truth into their lives. But when we care about ourselves, we, we tell them what they want to hear. Well, this week, we're going to present the gospel of Christ. And that's what they need. That's truth. That's gospel truth. Uh, so uh, God's way involves ulterior motives. God way, God's way involves love. As Christians, we honor people in three ways. Number one, because people have been created in God's image. We see this in 1 Peter 2.17, honor all men. And then number two, many people are our brothers and sisters in Christ. They're part of the brotherhood of Christ. That's mentioned also in 1 Peter 2.17, that we love the brotherhood. And then number three, we, we honor others. We honor our brothers and sisters in Christ by recognizing they have unique spiritual gift. A unique contribution to make to Christ's church. We see that in 1 Corinthians 12. So does God's way of honoring others sound too difficult? It sounds difficult if you have a competitive nature. Or if you're this catchphrase, if you're narcissistic. Um, if it's all about you. Um, so why not try to outdo one another in showing honor to others in the body. Why not? Well, how do we do that? By putting others first. By putting others first. I want to call your attention to uh, one other verse that mentions one another, and that's in Romans 15 now. If you'll flip over now from Romans 12 to Romans 15. Romans 15. And First Baptist Church will be a stronger community for the Lord if we embrace the one another's in the New Testament. If we'll take heed to seeing what the apostles and uh, the writers of the New Testament have to say here. Now, Romans 15 unlocks another key to a strong local assembly, uh, a strong church of one another's. R verse 7, it says, Wherefore, receive ye one another as Christ also received us to the glory of God. Boy, this is a hard verse for those of us that for many years have practiced separationism in the community of the world. This is a tough one because, as we even learned last week, um, we have to sometimes set aside some of our pet peeves and preferences in order to receive one another. But let's understand contextually what we mean by that statement. Um, I want to call your attention to the word receive. It means to take to, to take in addition, 
You want to see a church grow? Then have a church that receives one another and doesn't have this, um, cult, uh, this kind of secular club type of mindset. A church that is open and receives one another. That's a growing church. So the word receives to make to t- means to take in addition, to take to oneself. It also means this, to take as one's companion. It also means to take by the hand in order to lead aside. Now that implies to me discipleship. Discipleship. And so we don't leave a person in an infant stage of their faith. And just say, well, that's just the way they are. No, they ought to be growing. Amen? Amen. And they'll grow if in a spirit of love we speak truth into their lives. Uh, Not tiptoe around the tulips there. But we will, by the leading of the spirit and with a heart full of love and a motivation of love, we speak truth into their lives. Another meaning of this word receive is this. To take or receive into one's home with the collateral idea of kindness. How many of you have been the recipient of some rich Christian fellowship in someone's home, whether at this church or some other church? You've been the recipient of that rich Christian fellowship, hospitality. Amen. I remember several times in uh, my younger Christian experience, um, um, believers who had a heart to see me grow have me in their home and speak truth into my life. It's not like they pointed their finger in my face and said, you need to change this and that. No, it wasn't like that at all. But they lived a pattern of Christianity in front of me around the table. More than than a church-wide fellowship, a church-wide potluck, but in their home. And it meant so much. And I I was, that opened my heart to anything they had to say. And it will you too, won't it? Um, And so what do we need at First Baptist Church in the days and weeks to come as maybe some of the VBS uh, children's families maybe attend and trickle in? Are we going to be quick to spot them? Are we going to be open to spending time with them? Are we going to say, hey, it's so good to have you here. My wife and I would love to get to know you better. Do you have next Sunday night after church open? Or next Sunday afternoon, do you have open? And get to know people and be that person who contributes to the growth of the local assembly. And so to take uh, or receive into one's home. Uh, Another meaning there is to receive, to grant one access to one's heart, to take into friendship, into the lifestyle. Boy, it's sometimes more than just having over uh, someone for a meal and check off the checkbox. No. It's more than that. It's more than a sense of duty. It also implies uh, a person who wants to involve you in their life. You know, maybe this person has a a, a hobby of, of fishing or hiking or camping or something of that nature. And they just invite you to join them. They invite you to be part of their life. Um, And it's more than an official church activity, but they just invite you to come and be a part. Boy, that opens a person's heart. That's happened to Teresa and I several times since we've been here, and we're thankful to get to know this church family on that more intimate level. And thank you for that. And let's be a church family that does more of that. Uh, And then the last meaning is, and maybe we're all fond of this, it means to take, take to oneself and to provide or take food. Amen. Baptists love to fellowship and disciple around food. 
Um, maybe that goes back to the book of Acts, pattern of the early church. They broke bread together. Uh, but this is an important contribution to the local assembly when we open our homes. You know, that, that provokes th- uh, thoughts and planning, uh, planning financially to the cost of a meal, uh, planning to communicate with others. Do you have any allergies or you strongly dis- dislike certain foods? You know, a member of my family cannot take peas. They just hate peas. Uh, I, I can't do cauliflower, you know? I would be quick to admit that if you invited me over. Any food that you can't eat, Pastor? Yes, cauliflower. All right. But anyway, and I know it's all the rave. Cauliflower, crust pizzas, and I know it's all the rave. Cauliflower, rice. Oh, goodness. Um, But the Roman church was a diverse community. When we talk about the Romans, the book of Romans, the Roman church was this diverse community uh, made up of Jews and Gentiles, people who were considered slaves, people who were considered free, uh, people who were rich, poor, strong, weak. So it was difficult for them to, to embrace this concept that we talked about here of receive or to accept one another. Well, are they the same social status? You know, oh, are they, you know, are they employed uh, or are they, are they self-employed? You know, we, we, shouldn't, we shouldn't have those kind of, that kind of grid that we look at people through uh, when it comes to receiving one another. But the idea here, the uh, commentary reads, uh, receiving or accepting means taking people into our homes as well as into our hearts, sharing meals, activities, avoiding racial and economic discrimination. We must go out of our way to avoid favoritism. When uh, when Pastor Peterson invited me to come here, uh, uh, going on seven years ago now, to to visit the church, and, uh, and one of the things my wife and I looked intently at before deciding to come here was was the demographic of the congregation and it was such a blessing to see all the different ethnicities and different status and we're like that's the kind of church we want to be a part of one that um, not only do they embrace the concept of missions but they're trying to reach uh, the communities and the ethnicities that they send missionaries to and uh, God has made America, what is it called? A melting pot, right? And so there should be representation in the local assembly of all of these different variations. And so we must go out of our way to avoid favoritism. This quote here, consciously spend time greeting those that you don't normally talk to. Minimize differences and seek common ground for fellowship. Boy, that should be written in the tablet of our heart, amen, to consciously, deliberately spend time greeting those we don't normally talk to. And then in this way, you're receiving and accepting others as who? As Christ. As Christ has received and accepted us. And God gets the glory. So in contrast to this principle of receiving one another, consider Romans 14.3. It says, let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not. And let not him which eateth not judge him that eateth. For God hath received him. There's that word receive again. God hath received him. So do we want to have a growing, thriving church? Hey, 
We have got to set aside preferences and look for people who need love and discipleship. It's not about leaving them where they are. Again, we want to break free of that mindset. I'll just love them where they are. They're carnal. You know, they're sucking the bottle spiritually. Hopefully they'll grow up someday. No, let's, let's love people and disciple people and speak truth into their lives. And let's see them grow for the glory of God. And the uh, word uh, in, in 14.3, Romans 14.3, the word crineto means to pronounce judgment for wrongdoing. I think Pastor Bloom shared that last week as well. The person who judges assumes the role of God, as we see in Romans 2. And Paul points out this kind of judgment is inappropriate because God has accepted all people who believe. All people who believe. And so, in conclusion, let's think about Romans 10. Oh, this one important slide here. I love this. There's no perfect church. There's no perfect family. There's no perfect people, but we do have a perfect God. Amen? For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But we have a perfect, holy, glorious God. I love that. And so uh, if you find the perfect church, you've heard the caution, don't join it because it won't be perfect anymore. Amen? All right. In conclusion, though, turning back to Romans chapter 10, verse 24 and 25, the writer of Hebrews, many believe it's the Apostle Paul. I personally believe it's the Apostle Paul. says, consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. You know, we think of that word provoke. Sometimes we think to ourselves, well, no, I don't want to incite anybody to anger. The idea, though, is that you've studied one another and you've found ways to encourage them to love and to good works. And there are a lot of mature believers in this church family. You do it every week. You do it every week. You love and encourage people to love and good works. And it's a real blessing. Uh, and it says, not forsaking assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. The day of Christ is approaching. I don't feel like we have that many years left. So, hey, let's get serious. Let's be serious about the assembling of ourselves together. Let's be serious about investing in children and in families and discipling and seeing this assembly grow. So these three questions to conclude tonight. Are we studying each other in order to stimulate growth, to provoke to love and good works? Number two, are we forsaking or are we assembling ourselves together? You know, there's only one parent that needs to stay home with Johnny Johnny when he has a runny nose. There's only one parent. That needs to get the rest of the family here to church. Don't forsake. And if you're here, be here. Be where you are. You ever heard that phrase? Be where you are. So when you're here with the local assembly, Really be here, heart, mind, and soul. Intentional thinking about the word, thinking about the sermon, engaging in the music and worship, singing your hearts out to the Lord. And then a third question, are we exhorting others as we see the day approaching? Are we encouraging others? Are we discipling others as we see the day approaching? Will there be any stars in your crown, as the old song says? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Well, your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed. How many of you say, boy, that's what I needed. I needed that tonight and I need to flex my spiritual muscles in the assembly. Yeah, I need to uh, use my spiritual gift and see this church family grow. And I need to do more to see those on the outskirts of this assembly and draw them in. How many of you say, yes, that's me. I needed that. 
Amen. Amen. My hand is there too. And then how many of you would say, you know, Pastor, um, I, 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 took, I took note of, of the assembling of ourselves together. And uh, I need to be here and really be here. Please pray for me. Can I see your hand if that's you? Yes. Amen. Yes. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this, this time to, to be together. And I pray, Lord, that as we embark on a big job that you will enable us to do this week, help us, Lord, to uh, storm the gates of hell uh, with faith, hope, and love, and to reach families, not just children, but reach entire families with the gospel and to disciple them to your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.